attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over half the world's wheat. What does this mean for you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why you should stock up on the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile by using the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. Four Patriots Survival Food is hand-packed in the USA with different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code G-R-E-G-G to get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. Every week brings new damning evidence that cements the bribery and influence peddling case against Joe Biden. At the same time, facts are emerging of just how his Department of Justice worked overtime to shut down the prosecution of Hunter Biden to protect his father and preserve his presidency. Instead of aggressively pursuing crimes that were clearly committed, Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss slyly operated behind the scenes as the Biden's personal defense attorney. He spent five years scuppering the investigation and burying the incriminating evidence of historic graft that enriched the Biden family beyond imagination. They banked tens of millions of dollars from America's foreign adversaries by exploiting the power of his office as vice president to sell access to Joe and promises of influence. The Bidens filled a Brinks truck worth of cash from Ukraine, China, Russia, Romania, Kazakhstan, and other countries over which the vice president exerted foreign policy authority. Internal documents show that Weiss was so determined to shield Joe Biden that the U.S. attorney planned to let Hunter Biden skate on dozens of crimes, quote, without requiring a guilty plea on any charges. The protection racket was working splendidly until a funny thing happened on the way to the felony cemetery. Two IRS whistleblowers stepped forward and began exposing Weiss's chicanery. Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler informed Congress of the U.S. Attorney's constant political interference and preferential treatment by slow-walking, suppressing, and diverting the case, and they cited specific examples. Weiss purposefully allowed the statute of limitations to expire on many of the most egregious crimes. Tipped off Hunter's lawyers about a surprise interview of their client, divulged privileged information to those same attorneys, halted the execution of planned search warrants despite probable cause, forbid any questioning about Joe Biden's active involvement in his son's corrupt schemes, refused to follow the immense paper trail of overseas payola, overlooked compelling evidence of money laundering and racketeering, 
and Weiss tore up the written agreement by both investigators and prosecutors to bring six felony charges against Hunter Biden. Once Shapley and Ziegler blew the whistle, Weiss was caught dead to rights. He had to do something to save face. So he scrambled to conjure up a couple of pathetic tax misdemeanors and a watered-down gun charge that would allow Hunter to escape jail time in a ludicrous plea deal that would end the burgeoning case. But there's more to the story. Late last year, Hunter Biden's lawyers penned a 32-page letter to Weiss threatening to call Joe Biden as a witness for the defense if any serious charges were brought against the president's son. Here's a quote from that letter. This of all cases justifies neither the spectacle of a sitting president testifying at a criminal trial nor the potential for a resulting constitutional crisis wrote Hunter's lawyer. Fearful that his efforts to protect the president would evaporate, Weiss, the U.S. attorney, resolved to ignore all of the felonies and bring no charges whatsoever. Of course, when the whistleblowers outed Weiss's skullduggery, he invented the infamous sweetheart deal that no other citizen would ever receive. Its implosion in court further sullied the U.S. attorney's already tattered reputation and left the entire investigation in limbo. And that's when Attorney General Merrick Garland stepped in to consolidate Weiss's power by naming him special counsel with unfettered authority to do as he pleases. As I've noted in earlier columns, Weiss is the last person on earth who should be special counsel. He's hopelessly biased in favor of the Bidens, which is exactly why Garland acted as he did. In making the appointment, the AG blatantly defied federal regulations that require an independent person outside the government to conduct the investigation and any prosecutions. So, to be sure, the fix is in to further protect Joe and Hunter Biden. Don't expect Weiss to do anything at all. He'll pretend to investigate. While even more statutes of limitations lapse, the probe will drag on in perpetuity, and incriminating evidence will vanish into a black hole. Granted, it is conceivable that David Weiss may experience an epiphany and decide to do the right thing, but as I've said before, I'd rather bet on a lame horse. In the meantime, the House Oversight Committee is doing excellent work uncovering the Biden family corruption. As for the mainstream media that has long behaved as Biden apologists offering up vacuous excuses for the president and his son, some are now taking the scandal seriously by beginning to dig into the wealth of incriminating evidence. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, who is chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, this week, together with the Ways and Means Committee, issued subpoenas to IRS investigators and DOJ officials who have direct knowledge of a pivotal meeting on October 7, 2022, just last year, in which David Weiss allegedly claimed he was prevented from bringing charges against Hunter Biden and was not 
the final authority on such matters, which, of course, contradicts what Merrick Garland, the attorney general, said in his congressional testimony. Joining me now is Congressman Jordan. And Congressman, thanks so much for joining the you brief. Bet. Good good Thank to see you. you. Good to have you with us. What do you hope to learn from these witnesses? Well, you said it so well, Greg. This was the meeting. Remember, Gary Shapley the, uh, and, and Mr. Ziegler, the two whistleblowers that came forward. And, and frankly, if they don't come forward, this sweetheart deal happens. They, they changed the course of how this whole thing was going. And we, we now know from the stories over the weekend that, that the sweetheart deal was even sweeter uh, before the whistleblowers come forward. And then, of course, it all breaks down because they weren't even, David Weiss wasn't even going to charge, uh, wasn't even going to make Hunter Biden plead guilty to anything. Uh, but this meeting, so th- they're going along in this investigation, four-year investigation, and this was the meeting that Mr. Shapley described as the red line meeting where he just, he, he reached the conclusion, there's no way to fix this. They're not going to do the right thing. I'm going to have to become a whistleblower and go to Congress. And he did. And it was at this meeting, October 7th, 2022, where Weiss tells uh, Mr. Shapley, I sought special counsel status, was denied. I can't do what I really want to do. Uh, which is contrary to what, as you said, what, what Mayor Garland testified to in front of Congress and decided to come forward. And in that meeting were David Weiss, Gary Shapley, the whistleblower, five other individuals, two IRS agents, two FBI agents, and an assistant U.S. attorney. We want to talk to the FBI agents first. And, uh, of course, Chairman Smith and the Ways and Means Committee want to talk to the IRS agents. So uh, we've subpoenaed them. We'll see what the Justice Department does and the FBI does. If they fight us on this, um, they may and claim ongoing investigation. But we'll, uh, we're going to find out. But we, we need to talk to these individuals to confirm what I, I believe is absolutely true, which is, which is what Gary Shapley told us took place in that meeting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what Shapley has testified to, and he's highly credible, is there the is. truth, which means somebody else is lying. It's either Attorney General Merrick Garland in his testimony before Congress, or it's David Weiss in his three letters to Congress that are inconsistent and contradictory, aren't they? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So we we think about the quick and I'll do this real quick. But the history here, I wrote um, I wrote Merrick Garland uh, back in February and I said, why not? Why isn't there not a special counsel for this situation? I mean, if ever there was a, a situation that warranted one, you would think the president of the United States son has been investigated by the Justice Department. Why not a special counsel? Merrick Garland did not respond, which, Greg, you know, never happens. If you're the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives or the ranking member and you write the attorney general of the United States, you always get a response. It may take a little while. You may not like what that response is, but you always get an answer. He didn't, he didn't even write me back, didn't even answer. So we wrote him again in May. And in May, he still didn't respond, but David Weiss did, which was also unusual. And David Weiss said in that letter to me on June 7th, he said, I, I have full authority to determine when, where, and whether to bring charges. Okay, I wrote him back. And then 23 days later, June 30th, he sends me another letter and says, I stand by what I wrote, but I want to uh, I want to add to it. And that's when he said, I only have authority to bring charges in my U.S. attorney's district. Well, which is it? You can't it can't be full authority to determine when, where and whether. And then, oh, I can only bring him in my district. What happened in between those two events is the whistleblower's testimony, the transcript 
went public and Gary Shapley said something different to what Merrick Garland testified to and what David Weiss had said. So that's why they had to change their statement. Their story has changed. The White House story has changed. But as you point out, Gary Shapley and Mr. Ziegler, their testimony has been consistent. And more importantly, they've been cross-examined by every Democrat on the Oversight Committee, and they stood up to that cross-examination so well, so good. Um, I think we're, what this, what, if we get to talk to these folks, they're going to confirm exactly what Mr. Shapley said. You know, this whole appointment of David Weiss as special counsel has the stench of five-day-old fish. I mean, Weiss is the guy who was the architect of the sweetheart deal. He allowed the statute of limitations to expire. He was tipping off Hunter's lawyers about a surprise interview. Uh, He halted the search warrants despite probable cause. He wouldn't allow any of the investigators to pose questions during interviews about Joe Biden's involvement in his son's schemes. Uh, He refused to follow the paper trail of overseas cash. Uh, He tore up the written agreement by both investigators and prosecutors to bring six felony charges against Mm -hmm. Hunter. And yet this person who is incredibly biased in favor of the Bidens, David Weiss, is now named special counsel. It tells me the fix is in. What about you? Yeah, it, it, it just underscores how this is totally political. It's totally political. Now, to that point, I wonder, so the Justice Department committed to uh, providing David Weiss to come in front of the Judiciary Committee uh, later next month in, in September or the first week of October. They committed to that. We'll see if they, if they stand by their commitment now that they've named him special counsel. I'm, I'm curious of what they're going to tell us. Uh, as we go forward, I'm also curious what they're going to do with these two individuals from the FBI we subpoenaed. But yeah, it, this is it just, again, shows how political this entire operation, um, how, how political it is. Yeah. And, and by the way, to appoint David Weiss, the Attorney General Merrick Garland had to completely defy uh, federal regulations, 28 CFR. which says it must Mm -hmm. be an independent person from outside the Department of Justice. Well, the U.S. attorney uh, is in the Department of Justice, reports both to Merrick Garland and to the president of the United States. So, I mean, talk about the conflict of interest that the federal regulations were written to avoid. They have simply doubled down on the conflict. I want to ask you, though, about something you referenced a moment ago, came out over the weekend, the news that Hunter Biden's lawyers wrote this 32-page letter to David Weiss, and they threatened to call Joe Biden as a witness for the defense (laughs) if any serious charges were brought against the president's son. And of course, that would ruin the whole Garland-Weiss protection racket to protect Joe Biden Evidence shows he was complicit in his son's influence peddling bribery schemes, acting as an accessory, aiding and abetting. So Weiss folds like a beach chair and, you know, and he decides I'm going to ignore all of the felonies committed and I'm going to bring no charges whatsoever. I, yeah. Talk about corruption that has now infected not just the presidency, 
but the Department of Justice. I mean, th- this is it. Yeah. And, and again, if Gary Shapley doesn't come forward and blow the whistle, followed by Mr. Ziegler, we would not know this. I don't know that that the, the court, Judge Noriega, I don't know that she does the same thing. You don't, you don't know. But God bless these guys for uh, coming forward. And the idea that that threat, the threat of putting the president of the United States on the witness stand is what got David Weiss to go with this sweeter than the sweetheart deal we, we saw the judge turn down, um, I think is almost laughable because there is no way, unless I'm missing something, there is no way that President Biden is going to take the witness stand. I mean, can you imagine him trying to stand up to a cross-examination from a real lawyer? Like, there's no, someone who knows how to, how to, how to cross-examine people, like, there's no way. But yet, that was the, the, one of the threats they used. Here's the other interesting thing, Greg, that, I, that was in that, those stories. There was, um, there was one reference where uh, Hunter Biden was supposed to, he was asked, can you meet with, it was his defense team, his lawyers, can you meet with us to talk about the investigation and your tax issues and tax concerns? And he responded back that uh, he couldn't because he had to meet with impeachment lawyers. Now, I found that interesting because this is this is is this is this Goldman, Daniel Goldman? Is this Adam? Sh- who's uh, who's who is meeting with with Hunter Biden during the impeachment proceedings of 2019? Um I find that that interesting as well. And that's something we want to try to get to the bottom of as well. What I ask you about the Burisma scandal, which, you know, was the mother of all Hunter Biden, Joe Biden scams. So under siege, the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma hires Hunter as a board member at a staggering salary of a million dollars a year when his father is vice president. And the chief prosecutor, Victor Shokin, began seizing the assets of the CEO of Burisma, Zolchevsky, and and he moved to shutter the company. And so the Burisma honcho, Zolchevsky, meets personally with Hunter in Dubai, demands he get his dad on the phone, which he does. Thereafter, Joe Biden flies to Kiev and demands the firing of Shokin or else the U.S. would withhold a billion dollars in taxpayer aid. That's First of all, that's extortion. But within an hours, the prosecutor is canned. The investigation vanishes. Zoloshevsky is saved. He gets what he pays for. That is, is it not a classic quid pro quo and the definition of corrupt acts? Yeah, it sure looks like it. And, and you're, you're right that the timing was amazing. December 4th, 2015 in Dubai, Archer and, and Hunter Biden meet with Zoloshevsky and Pizarski, two of the key players at Burisma. And they have this uh, this discussion and they say, we're under pressure. Uh, we need help. <coughs> Excuse me. We need help from D.C. Can you can you help us? And there's a phone call made. Now, Archer, when we deposed him, said, I wasn't there for the phone call. They called D.C. I don't know who they talked to. Well, come on. We know who, who they probably talked to. Um, and five days later, as you point out, Greg, five days, President Biden's in Kiev gives the speech attacking Shokin, the prosecutor, trying to, quote, relieve the pressure that, that he, the, the, the message that was conveyed uh, to Hunter Biden and Devin Archer by the, by the executives from, from Burisma. That quickly, that much of a turnaround, and of course, it wasn't much long after that until Shokin is in fact fired, and they, he used your tax dollars, the, the, the taxpayers of the 4th District of Ohio that I get to represent their tax dollars as leverage to make all this happen. You know, uh, following up on that, um, 
John Solomon, whom you well know, who is a, yep. a stellar investigative reporter, came out last night with a story. He has uncovered new memos that completely undermine the, the Joe Biden Ukraine narratives that Democrats were peddling during the 2019 impeachment uh, of Donald Trump. Biden was actually being urged to give $1 billion in, in loan guarantees to the Ukrainians. The, you know, the Obama administration told him, give them the money. He goes to Kiev and threatens to withhold it unless they fire the prosecutor investigating his own son's company. What do you make about that latest development from, from John Solomon? All of this is all this just confirms that Trump was right when he when he raised the concerns that he raised in that phone call that they used as the basis for their crazy impeachment. I mean, it's it's like sometimes you just can't make this stuff up with the way the Democrats operate. It's almost always accusing us of what they're doing. It's almost always the opposite of what's actually what they're actually saying. And this is just one more example. And, and, and of course, your good reporting and John's good reporting that have uh, brought these kind of things to light. Um you know, sometimes I step back and think, you know, I still remember in 2017 when there were a handful of us, a handful of us in Congress and a handful of you guys in the, in the, in the journalism world and in the media who said this whole Mueller Russia stuff was, was goofy. It was, didn't make sense. It wasn't accurate. And a handful of us just kept digging. And, and finally, it, you know, finally we realized the Mueller report and everything else that it was all completely garbage. Looks like this is the same thing with that crazy impeachment they tried in 2019 as well. Uh, I want to ask you about potential criminal charges. You know, the media for the longest time has said, uh, and I'll quote CNN's Jake Tapper. He told his viewers, you know, influence peddling may be sleazy, but it's not criminal. That is completely untrue. Yeah. Uh, if you read the statute, 18 U.S.C. 201, Influence peddling is called bribery. Uh, a public official who uses his office for financial gain by selling promises of influence. It's also a violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Uh, and the backup defense that the media often tries to sell is, well, Joe Biden didn't receive any of the money in his bank account uh, that flowed from these uh, shell companies that his son set up. Well, he doesn't have to accept a nickel under the statute. Read the yep. statute. It's a crime if the money goes to, quote, any other person or entity instead of the public official. I think were it anybody else but Joe Biden, there would already be the preparation of, of an indictment against Joe and Hunter Biden and other Biden family yeah. members for bribery, aiding and abetting and conspiracy. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I think the speaker has been clear. He said if, if the facts and the evidence dictate we go to an impeachment inquiry phase of our investigation, that we're going to go there. And it sure looks like those facts and the evidence are continuing to mount, continuing to pile up. I, I, I am I, I would not be surprised at all if that's where we end up going here. In, in a relatively short period of time. And as you know, Greg, that, that, that typically enables you to get access to more information in a timely fashion to do the kind of investigation that the Constitution, and it, I think this is real important, that the Constitution requires us to do in the legislative branch as part of our oversight function. Um, 
You know, the Democrats rushed to this impeachment back in 2019 to go after President Trump. We're trying to do it if, if that's we're trying to do it in, in a way that's based on the facts, the evidence and the Constitution. But um, I think we're moving quickly towards that inquiry phase. And uh, I think uh, I would not be surprised if there's a resolution at some point here in the near future that we vote on and then move to do do that part of the investigation. You know, when our founders crafted uh, the Constitution and inserted the impeachment clause, which includes treason and bribery, uh, in my judgment, they feared a future president like Joe Biden who would sell out his country for self-enrichment. And it appears after more than 200 years, we've come to that point. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Uh, Thank you so much for joining The Brief. You bet. Greg, thanks for all the good work you do. We appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.